Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So we're finally back again in the same physical meat space. This is my third week in a row here. Uh, well, we're recording something, I should say. And next Monday, I will say me and my buddy Zach and Joey, who you would have heard in the Resident Evil 8 spoiler podcast, will probably be doing a live stream on Twitch, 8 p.m. Eastern, to discuss E3 stuff again. And I say again, because tonight, me and Steve are talking E3 stuff. But this is going to be as trimmed down and quick, because we don't have a lot of time. Uh, I, we don't want to, you know, bore you guys or something. Oh, we make don't you fall you asleep, guys. not fall, make you fall asleep while you're driving. Uh, then know. why would I let you talk at all? Oh, oh. no, dude! Listen, my my YouTube videos I do for work. Um, we had a comment on them that that literally said, "I watch your videos to fall asleep." It's the greatest ASMR comment. That is, yeah. You should do ASMR. I should do uh, ASMR. Which evidently the Pokemon channel has. Anyway, so. I'm going to talk the, uh, like this. No, not this too quiet. This is the sound of me not scratching Not too quiet. My beard. I'm going to have. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, stop. Because you get too quiet, you make weird, too weird noises. The music <laughs> in the background is going to conflict. I have to edit this. Come on, man. I was doing ASMR. No, stop it. <laughs> stop it. All right. So, yeah, as I said, we're going to be doing E3, as if we haven't already eaten enough, eaten up enough time. Um, we're going to try and hit these uh, quick by quick, mostly focusing on the games. Next week, again, the Twitch stream, I'm going to try and see if we can hit more of the business and, and stuff like that, speculation regarding, like, especially Microsoft and uh, Square Enix, I think. But for now, just games and what was shown. And we're going to first start with what we think was missing, which is at this point an incomplete list because we are recording on Wednesday. I normally try and edit and post by Friday or Saturday, and um, yeah, already so already we have uh, confirmation, for example, that Hellblade 2 will be after we record, because Microsoft's doing an extended showcase where they talk to a bunch of their developers, Ninja Theory is one of them, and Ninja Theory has confirmed that yes, Hellblade 2 will be there. We'll just be replaying the original trailer over and over again while they talk about it? I don't know. I'll know by the time this goes live, but um, it is still unusual, though, that Hellblade 2 was not part of their presentation. Yeah, I mean, that, that felt like that should have been, like, a, again, unless there really is nothing new to show, that should have been one of those headlining types. Yeah. Uh, um, you have uh, Ghostwire Tokyo also in the Bethesda front. People are wondering if that's got some troubled development. Um, the I mean, it does, was, right? Yeah, <laughs> it I mean, does the, have some trouble developing. The director left, she said, for health reasons. And then, um, well, it, who knows how it's been going since then. Um, we, haven't really, we did see the one gameplay footage uh, of it, and not sure. Um, image and form, right? They're making, the guys who make the Steam World games, they're making The Gunk. That mm -hmm. was announced. That's not there. So, and that's supposed to be releasing this year. So, there's a few things that we're missing from... And Ghostwire Tokyo was slated for this year as well. So, yeah. there's a couple of things that were slated for this year that were supposed to be first-party exclusive and were no-shows. So, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Aliens Fireteam was one that was missing from E3 proper. But GameSpot's been doing a bunch of stuff over the 
uh, evidently for over the next couple of days, their play for all event, and one of them included Aliens Fireteam. So, uh, I don't know if there's any release date that was given, but there's a, that, that's not necessarily missing, just from the big show. Um, Turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, we had a whole bunch of indie oh, yeah. events. That would have been that a good... Ga- yeah, then that game never showed up. That's supposed to be this year. Um, you, of course, had no new Sonic info. Yeah, so it seemed like... So, we, you know, we're obvious... So, for those of you who have been following Sonic, I know that everyone really loves Sonic as much as I do. Um, joke. Hmm. The... So, originally, we were slated to have a bunch of big announcements last year for things that would be released this year for Sonic's uh, 30th and 30th? Yeah, 30th. 30th anniversary, yeah. And so then that all got delayed, uh, pushed out. We, there kept on being rumors, oh, there's going to be some big Sonic announcement at TGS or at SS. Basically, I, I, COVID basically every yeah. yeah, COVID basically pushed it back. So there was at least a little bit of, of a thought that since now it got pushed back to a few weeks ago, they had their Sonic Direct, that there would be some big news, some big footage and other things to show. And instead is, we got, you know, a 30-second teaser on a new game, you know, a bunch of different crossovers and other things, and then confirmation of the Sonic Colors remaster. And another and trilogy of the original. Remaster. Another another like re 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 release of because pretty much every generation has had. And it's also stuff like Sonic cameos into Sonic and Olympic. No 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 in the Olympic games. Right game. skins and other stuff and. No, here's the funny thing. I still think it's more because you're also missing the bling. You get the Sonic Ice Man. Did you not see the Sonic Ice? I did see the Sonic Ice. You're right. Uh, that still more than Zelda's getting for their 35th. So. That's, that's um, true. And it's also the first of many streams. So here I will say Sonic is kind of no surprise because Sega is going to be doing a series of Sonic streams throughout the year where by the, by the end of the year you'll probably especially have at least a trailer for the new movie. As you said, they got to get some of that like special effects in, but... I, I mean, I'm sure we'll have... Cause probably the, the movie's coming some. out... Yeah. In less than a year. We'll have a trailer pretty soon. They probably already started implementing footage on some of the shots before Purple Photography even wrapped. Right, so they so, could have promo footage and stuff like that. Yeah, so that was... Um, but for the most part, yeah. like Except for Sonic Colors during one of the um, streams, there wasn't really much and, new to see from Sonic. And that was like a one-minute run through a level. It wasn't very... Uh, yeah. In depth, and then also we had some new Pokemon. We had the like shining diamond and brilliant all that. pearl. Yeah, the, brilliant pearl along with strange. Legend of Acreus. Yeah, what's Arceus. weird about those is the release dates just dropped without like because Pokemon Company's been doing their own presentations, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily Nintendo doing the directs because Pokemon Company's its own thing. Pokemon Company's cross media, so usually they do their own little events and. Yeah, there was no in there. There was no new footage. Granted, what new footage do you need? Like, they're going to have something closer to release a Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. It's going to go more in depth, and then they're probably going to have a little bit more footage of Arceus. But I'm not surprised we didn't see them either. 
Yeah, um, that wasn't. I mean, that wasn't a, a huge thing. It was just something I was, you know. I think E3 has obviously changed a lot. And yeah. Well, it's also beginning, beginning of marketing season. Like people don't really yeah. think about this. And I've been saying this for a while. I've been saying this since um, I think Jedi Fallen Order got its first reveal, right? E3 starts the Expo series. You have Paris Games Week usually. You got Gamescom, you got Tokyo Game Show. I'm missing, I forget when South by Southwest is. I don't remember that's the summer or before. South by Southwest is usually the one that a lot of companies yeah. hit. So there's a lot of stuff. Comic-Con, you might see some stuff, but usually not a lot of video game stuff. But that's the thing. Like There's usually so much that happens throughout the summer. that, And because everyone's online, you can't just recycle the same vertical slice. You can't recycle the same trailer. You basically need to have something different to show at each expo. So E3 is the beginning of it, and then it's a series of continuing the marketing campaign. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that angle, that since everything is virtual this year... Well, that's even before everything was virtual, because everything's streamed anyway. Right, that's true, but but even more so, there's pressure that you need to have something fresh for each event. Yep. Because it's already difficult enough to engage audiences for... A fully streamed yeah. con- conference like this, and so I mean, having just being like, "Hey, here's that trailer you've already seen. Let's watch it again," kind of thing. Yeah, really, like, not to not to get because I was going to skip it for this podcast, but like, look at the reaction to Capcom. Right, Capcom had nothing new to bring to the table. Some demonstration of game fl- play for Great Ace Attorney. Not the game to have extended gameplay of during <laughs> a stream. Um, especially when people are hoping for new announcements. So, like, yeah. It's like when you have nothing new to show and try and make that, like, a big presentation, you're going to make a lot of people upset. So... Especially when you announced something like uh, Pragmata. Last year, yeah. Last that was like a year, state of play and, thing, yeah. Yeah, and it would be cool to get some more of that. But again... That's another thing. You, you, point like, out, you point out here that like things like Final Fantasy XVI... Um, yeah, Final, Force, Forspoken and Final Fantasy XVI are probably going to be for like... Because Sony's supposed to have, I think, something next month in July. Right, that's a, something Sony, so that and could because be... Because Sony bought the exclusivity to... Or at least temporary exclusivity to those things, Sony's probably going to showcase them in a state of play. Right, and maybe because I think Pragmata was also announced in one of the state of plays, maybe that will yeah. be where we get more news. We all right, like you said, we're I guess we're we're sort of getting a bigger spread than we may have gotten in years past. Yeah. Where Gamescom and Tokyo Game Show are the perfect place for Capcom to start announcing its next big wave of marketing, mm-hmm. because right now it's like Resident Evil Ages came out, Monster Hunter Rise came out. Monster Hunter Stories 2 and Great Ace Attorney are both, I believe, July. So when you get to August, and at the end of August is when Gamescom is, or end of September when Tokyo Game Show is, that's the perfect time to start your next wave of here's what to expect in um, 2022. And they've also just they've also figured out earlier in the year, before the summer, is a good time to release stuff. Yeah. Because you, you get the attention. Like, Resident Evil 8, like it happens every year. Like, Resident Evil 8 and Monster Hunter Rise are already two of the biggest games of the year. 
because they beat just about every other big game to the punch. Hmm. They're fresh in people's minds, right? Like, And they are both really good. So, you know, if you want to make your next big release, like, renounce that in August or announce that in September and slate it for February or March or April. Like, originally Resident Evil 8, you know, from leaks, was meant for April release. COVID probably pushed that back a little bit. So... Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I'm, I guess the upside of all of this is with a more fractured E3 without as many big announcements. Now, some people might find this disappointing, but for me at least, um, what I saw a lot of is uh, indie games that I'm mm-hmm. going to impulse buy when they go on sale. Yes. Uh, in large quantities. My and wish list went from 85 to, I think, about 100. Which isn't, a, when you think about it in some ways, it's not a lot, but at the same time, it's also like, dang, you added like 15 different games to your wish list that aren't out yeah. yet. Like, or actually, one of them just came out yet last night, it turns out. like. Oh, wait, which, what came out last night? Uh, Dark Deity. The okay. 2D Fire Emblem-alike, basically. Yeah, that one wasn't as high on on my list, but yeah, but yeah, the, all the you know Devolver Digital, Guerrilla Collective, um, yeah. you know, indie games, and all that stuff. I mean, honestly, that's one of the things that's been really working for me on the Switch is is some of these indie game shows, and, and it's uh, one it's of the, a very logical place to play an indie game. Yeah, especially on the go. Yeah, so I, I've I've enjoyed those. Those are yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were some, some ones you, I know you wanted to talk about a little bit at least. Um, yeah, just a little bit like Devolver, first thing, Devolver Digital's presentation, I think was good in that because I always get this weird feeling that there, because satire or parody, it feels like there's a little too much actual loathing for the industry and its audience and their presentations. But this year it felt, even though you still had traces of that, it felt a little bit more balanced, and instead of continuing a quote-unquote storyline for the past few years, they kind of rebooted the idea of how they're doing these presentations. Uh, and also, they spent more time on games than they did on presentations. So, yeah, one of their games I already knew about, Death Store, it's like you play as a bird in a sort of action-packed Zelda-ish game. Mm-hmm. Looks really good. Looks very entertaining. Good writing. Um, good music. That's probably one that I'm more looking forward to. That's next month. But then Trek to Yomi was announced. And that's like... Remember how Ghost of Tsushima was inspired by Akira Kurosawa and everything? Trek to Yomi is a side-scroller, but it takes that even further. It's a side-scrolling action samurai game that really leans into the black and white influence of Akira Kurosawa's style in those films. Yeah, I'm curious as, as to how that's going to... I Are you not as hyped about that? I, I'm... That one, and I forget what the other... The other one was that I, was it was like the I, dark from light or something like. Oh that. yeah, no that that I don't was no that was Gorilla Collective, but yeah that was Gorilla. I don't think I added that here because that one I, I it looks like it could be good, but at the same time it looks like it like it might be okay. Light yeah. from darkness, I think. It light was. from dark, where they both now I again I think that Trek to Yomi looks better. They both struck me as games that might 
look interesting and have an interesting art style, but end up being kind of unsatisfying to play. Interesting, because I didn't get that feeling from Trek to Yomi at all. There was another game that was black and white that did, but it also felt like that game did not, like, certain objects contrasted, but everything else felt like it blurred too much together because there was a mm. lot of fog and other elements, so... Yeah, I mean, I could I could walk more. That was just that was just a sort of a gut uh, thing. I'm I, I've started to get a little picky about my 2D platformers. Oh, I can understand that. Like, especially after some of the games that I bought earlier this year, uh, Wizard with a Gun. That now I want to make sure that's what you were talking about, where it had the really nice animated opening. Yeah, black mages in a Western environment, basically, and some kind of like open world co-op, but like procedurally generated. It's not really a survival, but it's something. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, of Bastion a little bit. That's funny, because the art style and the way the characters move reminds me of Don't Starve, but less like Tim Burton. Interesting. I like the art style a bit more, but it's the animation that gets that. I don't know how that'll be. Um, mm -hmm. I wouldn't buy it. I, we'll get to it later, but yeah, Game Pass has changed my mentality towards games and what I will buy and what I will try. Um, yeah, but that that, that that looks interesting um, the thing is it looked like a completely different type of game like before they revealed the gameplay like all those, uh, like, all those cinematics it's like oh this looks like it could be real cool I'm really digging this and then you see the gameplay and it's like that's not at all what I was expecting yeah but, yeah that happens but yeah Devolver Digital's got some good stuff I feel like the first game of theirs I played was The Messenger this year Oh, really? Which I think. I, I'm trying to remember if I ever played anything else that they did, but... I have to look back and see. Yeah. If that was the first, it wasn't the worst introduction to Devolver Digital. Definitely um, And the thing is that they that they put that out, it definitely... You get a sense of what they're looking for. And they do clearly have a love of the medium. Um... It's just so weird how it comes off the exact opposite and they're stinking. Yeah, no, it, it is kind of funny because the messenger has this sort of, is, there's an earnestness to the messenger. Yes. Which, right, you don't necessarily get from Devolver Digital's presentation. presentation yeah. Where you're right, it's sort of both lampooning certain things and also like, you know, it's it's in love. It's kind of roast. It's a good the good kind of roast, I guess. But yeah, where the yeah the presentation kind of turns into the bad kind of roast. Yeah, um, Hunt but. the Night and Arietta of Spirits. They are both Gorilla Collective. Gorilla Collective had two presentations, and they had a lot to show. Um, they were actually pretty neat, and I th I think they um, they were honestly probably in addition to Devolver Digital, probably the best when it came to promoting independence. I think. Um, yeah, no, I, I like I liked a bunch of stuff I saw from them. Again, it's just going to be like, now they're in my head, and I'm yeah. going to see them pop up at some point, and I'm going to be like, oh, snag. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I forgot the Tribeca Games uh, Spotlight. They had a lot of stuff. Like, they had 12 Minutes, for example. They okay. also had, like, the Harold Halibut game that looks interesting, but I'm not sure on. But they also had Kenneth Bridge of Spirits, which is a game that's looking good. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, like uh, as I was saying, like Hunt the Night and Ariadne Spirits, 2D pixel action games, Zelda perspective. Only mm -hmm. one's very Dark Souls and the other one's not. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. The one looked a little bit more wholesome. Where the other one looked a little. There's less, blood and everything. Yeah, very more place. violent, dark. Like, I did like the hunt the knight was the more violent one. I liked the look of the mobility in that one. Yeah, that's one of one of my big things. I think with a lot of the 2D games is is I love some of the games that feel mostly like an old school game but sort of give you some of these modern takes on mobility that really make it fun. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, Hunt the Night. Not to, not to bring back the Messenger, Messenger's an example of that, but yeah, yeah, Hunt the Night looks like it might have some of that flavor. Yeah, and I will agree with that. Like, I wasn't that great on the Messenger, but you're right, mobility was a good thing about it. Like, the abil- just the ability to, like, jump after you strike something in the air, that alone they got a lot of mileage out of. Yeah. And it's funny because when I played Cyber Shadow, I started to miss that. Because it has yeah. its own mobility to it, but I wish I had the Messenger's ability as well. So if they make a sequel to the Messenger, I hope they look at some of Cyber Shadow and are like, okay, how can we take some of these good ideas, but then do them better in our version of the game? So. Mm. Uh, that's a little off A little topic, aside, yeah. yeah. Akatori was another one you liked the look of, that you worried about, like, damage sponge enemies. And it looks yeah. like, watching the trailer again, it looks like some enemies are, but others aren't. Yeah, but, and we'll see, how, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but that was... It did kind of look like... I'm like, oh, I like the look. I like the way, you know, the movement, the animation, all this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's maybe, like, a tiny bit of Iconoclasts in there. In mm, some of the style, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but right, but then it was, they started like the combat. I'm like, oh, like it does seem like these mooks are taking a really long time to die. Hopefully, that's not. Yeah. But speaking of mooks dying, Pal World. That's oh. one of the early. That was like revealed right like the week before E3, and that was like one of the biggest surprises because everyone has the same reaction everywhere, which is like. Did, did you just pick up that sheep to use as a bullet sheep? And it shows a freaking out. It shows this little Pokemon sheep thing freaking out. It's like, it's absorbing bullets. It's like, what is this game? I think people misinterpret part of it. Like, you see, like, some of these Pokemon creatures literally enslaved to build guns and stuff. I don't think those are yours that you capture yeah, to help I, I, you build things. I think those are ones you're saving. The problem is, if you are literally picking a sheep Pokemon up to use as a bullet shield... I don't think there's, like, a good person here despite <laughs> color is, like... So this is, like, some weird... It's so many confusing game. feelings. It's like, oh, it's a Pokemon game. Oh, it's a Pokemon Harvest Moon game. Wait a minute, it's with, a third-person shooter? With Pokemon... <laughs> yeah, uh, no. It, 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 it looks... Interesting, nonetheless. I have no idea how it'll play, but it at least looks like this crazy combination of ideas that it's like, you know what? I'm Just crazy in. enough to work. Exactly. It's like I'm in. I am down with what you're selling. Um, Solstice and Ultra Age were like two character action games showed off. Solstice looks like the better one by far. Ultra Age doesn't look like it's lacking in polish. It's more that it's like. Again, like Akatori is like, man, it looks like it's taken a while to kill those enemies. I, oh, you know what? You know, what, looking and thinking about it more when watching that Ultra Age trailer a couple of times, it looks to me like an ultra polished version of like a PS2 action RPG. Hmm. Like, 
I, I don't know. That's just that was a vibe I was getting. Kind so of. So it looks like Devil May Cry three. I don't know. Well, you say action RPG specifically. Yeah, because it looks more. See, I was feeling more action RPG than maybe because of the way because the enemies, of the health bars or something. The, the way the yeah the health bars and the amount of damage enemies were taking. And it didn't seem like the movement was acrobatic like Devil May Cry. It seemed like you were walking up to enemies and then hacking on them until they died. Mm. Um, so I was kind of seeing more of an action RPG, but it was like this weird mix of where the graphics looked good and it looked like there were some high production values, but the gameplay felt a little bit more like it didn't look... In, like the gameplay was that interesting from what they showed. Yeah, it's um, it's one I'm going to keep my eye on, but it's not one I'm really that interested in right now. I'm I'm hoping it has just like a really bonkers story and just all that over the top stuff. And then even yeah. if the gameplay is boring, I'll play it anyway, just for the general bonkers nicks. No, bonkers nicks, bonkers nicks. I can speak. Last, uh, last Souls-like, uh, Souls-like's indie I'll be talking about, is a Souls-like. It is Salt and Sacrifice. Earlier this year, I played Salt and Sanctuary. I started playing it on stream. I almost gave it up, but there was just something about it that's like, I gotta, I gotta keep playing. It's frustrating the crap out of me, but I gotta keep playing. And it's, it's... It got to a weird point where the bosses became a cakewalk, but the regular, like, enemies you had to work through weren't. Hmm. And it's basically just two side-scrolling Dark Souls. You use your shield, you do this, you do that. Like, it didn't feel all that interesting. It was something that I played but probably would never go back to. So when they showed off Salt and Sacrifice during the first day of Summer Game Fest for E3, I wasn't really... Sure, like I saw a two-player online co-op, and I'm like, okay, that's an improvement. Maybe I'll be able to do that or something like that. But otherwise, it's like, I'm not sure. But then today, again, GameSpot, their play for all, they had an extended look. They had an extended gameplay demonstration. It might have some improvements. So I'm intrigued, but I'm not certain yet. If I get it, it's going to be to help hold me over hmm. until the first major announcement and probably one that overshadowed the entire weekend for a lot of people Elden Ring this is the first big reveal of the show not a surprise necessarily because everyone knew Elden Ring was coming at some point and there were like leaks of trailer clips um, nobody knew if they were like you know final versions or early versions of trailers and the trailer hit, and it showed gameplay, and it showed more of what to expect. And I've watched this trailer so many times now. And for me, it's very exciting sounding because with interviews and everything that uh, Hidetaka Miyazaki has discussed, it's going to probably be closer to Bloodborne in forgiveness scale, I'll say. Because hmm. you're going to have crafting materials, you're going to create healing items. They want to make sure you have more time before dying because it's open world. So, Bloodborne, one of the advantages is that, you know, enemies drop healing all the time. You hold up to like 20 or more healing items versus 
beginning of Dark Souls, you're locked in at like two or three Estus flasks, not a lot. So for me, Elden Ring is looking like it's got faster, more mobile combat. You're seeing dodge rolls, you're seeing people jump. You're not seeing a lot of shields, even though people have them equipped. It feels like the combat's going to be closer to what, what I wanted from it. And yet it's still new and fresh in a way that none of the other games will be when I play them. Like, because the horse combat, you're going to have just the horse in general. Like, the way the world is explored. They're creating something new, and it's really exciting in that regard. Yeah. I'm... I'm looking looking somewhat forward to it. It's I don't know. So I'm I know you've played Demon Souls, right? Yeah, I played through I played all the way through Demon Souls. Um and I haven't really gotten into anything that would really be categorized as a souls like other than Demon Souls. When when in your life was Demon Souls? Is that before I was it was after children? I had kids. It was yeah. after you had kids. Okay. Yeah, when I played that, I played it because I played it late. Um, in its, you know, I feel like it, there was, I forget exactly what the circumstances were. Anyway, any it was like it got re-released on digital or I forget or something weird. Um, it didn't leave the PlayStation Three until uh, PS5's port. So or yeah, it. there was some. There was some kind of, yeah, I don't remember exactly why, but I felt like it was at, there was some reason to have started it when I started it. But, uh, no, it's like, it's weird because right, I really enjoy Demon's Souls um, and the whole presentation, a lot about it. It's just, there's a, there's like a certain mental state you need to be in to play a Souls-like game. I don't know how often I'm in that state necessarily. It's, it, 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 I understand that. Um, when I first got Darksiders 3, I didn't really grasp it. It took me a little time. That helped me for Bloodborne. And ever since Bloodborne, I've been trying some other games and like, again, Salt and Sanctuary, right? There, and I have gone back to try Dark Souls. There is, it's. It really is hard to describe because I think a lot of people just pin it up to it's it's challenging. For me, it's like a combination of different feelings. Bloodborne reminds me very much of feelings I had going back to play Resident Evil Four, but aspects mm. of it are more polished. It's more action, like melee action oriented, and that gives it a different feeling. There's challenge, but it's a challenge you overcome. Like there's an old school feeling to it without being old school. It still feels fresh, despite being old-fashioned and you're going to die and you're going to try over and over again until you succeed. And sometimes it's not even that many over and over again. But what also helped with Bloodborne was co-oping with Nolan. And he wants to get you on Bloodborne. He, he's like, yeah, we'll do another playthrough when Steve gets on board and we'll <laughs> all three do co-op with it. And we'll see um, if yeah, that ever we'll happens. But... Yeah, I think part of what it is, it's the... It's the level of precision that the game requires as part of it, too. There's no, there's no turning off half your brain kind of thing in a, in a Souls game. 
You know, no, like the, not unless you've played it so routinely, kind of a thing. Right, where the your your timing all has to be perfect. You know, you're not just mashing attack or mashing dodge. You're, you know, focusing on perfectly sidestepping this attack to counter, doing the parries and all that other kind of stuff. We're just, yeah, I, I don't know. It's that's, it's like. There's a commitment to it, and there's a there's a learning curve to it as well, where you're... So for me, for Elden Ring, I think it just, when I see more of it, I'm going to need to be, have to be that attracted to this game to want to put myself through those mental exercises yeah. <laughs> required to enjoy it. Well, they did also mention that they're going to hope and make co-op easier. I'm actually hoping what they do with co-op is because one of the things in Bloodborne is me and Nolan did every section twice. Uh, we he he jump into my world and we co op and then I jump into his world. I'm hoping they remove that different worlds angle, so you don't have to repeat progress. If mm. that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, but Elden Ring is again looking exciting. Uh, can't wait to see more, but more than anything, like. It's at least a 2022 that's like, okay, it's the beginning of 2022. It's half a year away, not a whole year <laughs> away or a year and a half away. Um, but the next big, like the first big actually publisher to really have their own conference was Ubisoft. And it's funny because there's barely anything I remember from it. And I think the closest thing to a headline for you and me both that's shared is Rainbow Six Extraction, which... To me, looks intriguing. I'm not sold. So what looks intriguing to me about it is there is a certain... There's a certain type of tactical shooter that I've always liked. And... The... So, you know, like, like some of the, old, the older Rainbow Six... Um, Ghost Recon, uh, in particular, comes into this year. I really, I always really enjoyed the Ghost Recon games, and there's a I also, it's just a weird sort of like crosses over into this, you know, games. So I feel like you have games like Doom or Destiny, where you have even Halo to a degree, where you're you're battling you know, these alien, supernatural, whatever, hordes, but you have a very high degree of power, mobility, and tools at your disposal to do this. And the ability to shoot through certain walls. Right, right. Rainbow Six, I like the idea of taking this sort of Tom Clancy framework where you don't have this, where if you make a wrong move, you're your toast kind of you know tactical shooter cooperation is not that like the game is better if you cooperate but that literally like the game is only possible with cooperation and planning and execution but instead of you know another round of fighting terrorists or whatever else or al-qaeda you're fighting aliens that just seems cool to me and an offensive. 
Um, what's going to, what's the, yeah, I didn't even think about it from that angle. Um, <laughs> yeah, inoffensive. Like, but the, the, <laughs> nobody the, has to be offended. <laughs> uh, the, the, the funny thing for me is that it's, it does look like they made you less vulnerable than your typical Rainbow Six game would have you. Right. <clears throat> but at the same time, it does have those tactical options. They were doing a lot of different things with tools and gear that was interesting, but at the same time, and it might have just been the gameplay demonstration, right? The way it was, well, firstly, the way it was revealed made it look like, oh, it's Rainbow Six, but Left for Dead. And that was weird. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, it's Rainbow Six with aliens, a lot of which just do a lot of standing around or this or that. Like, it's, I'm not sure how I feel. This is a game that would again be great on Game Pass, kind of, kind of. Yeah. Because I'm not. I'm not going to spend sixty dollars on it. I'm not going to find out how it plays for six, uh, for sixty dollars. It is kind of funny because they saw a lot of negative reaction to it. Hmm. And this is probably something that was already being developed before Breakpoint came out and made all the uh, Ghost Recon fans upset. Um. It's some people thought it should just be an extra DLC expansion for Siege. Yeah. And it is clearly built on the Siege tech. But at the same time, this has nothing to do with Tom Clancy. Tom Clancy never wrote aliens in his, you know, military thriller like Yeah. Top like It's sort of like when, when Call of Duty went to space and people were like I liked Infinite Warfare, honestly, but that, no, I yeah, um, that's the, like that's that's what I'm kind of interested to see what happens. Like, does this fail, or does this find an audience? Kind of a thing. Um, but okay. then you you weren't hot on Far Cry Six, and I can kind of understand why, because Far Cry Three, I played like I don't even know if I completed the first zone, and I looked at the map, and I was like. I mean, I have to do this for that much? I mean, yeah. the world is this huge and I'm doing these activities? I've played, I'm trying to think, I think I played some of 2, 3, and 4. I played whichever one had a co-op, an on, like an online co-op campaign. I played through that whole campaign, like co-op campaign. Um, I'm trying to think, I think that was 3. But yeah, I run into the same thing with every Far Cry game, which is like, oh, this world is beautiful. Oh, there's lots of fun stuff to do. Oh, I really don't want to just be, you know, completing these objectives to take down a base to, you know, whatever you're doing, free territory to move on to the next one to do it again. Yeah, it, it looks like it gets very stale. Which is where Far Cry 6 has me curious. Because they have the big cinematics for the story and everything. Um, it looks like it could be interesting. For some reason, I think what gets me about the gameplay is the nature of the weapons being very garage kit do-it-yourself. Hmm. And therefore that unlocks some creativity. But the problem is, they haven't shown enough of the gameplay for me to know what it really feels like when you start playing and climb this tower... Open this cage to unleash this local animal and do this 50 to 80 times across a gigantic world map. And it's like, I don't... I, but do it while playing it, as a bad guy. Does it do the Ubisoft open world or like Immortals Phoenix Rising seem to 
didn't learn how to do a better open world than that formula. So I need to see, I guess I need to see more to see what the open world gameplay itself is going to be like. Because most of what they seem to show is like in cities or other things like that. There's not a lot of like, even when they're not in a city, it doesn't feel like it's wilderness, which is what Far Cry is kind of known for. Um, that's kind of their big focus. Like even when they were in like Midwest America or whatever, it's the wilderness of America kind of a thing. So I have no idea what to expect from Far Cry 6. I am intrigued, but again, if I buy it, it would be like the first Ubisoft game I bought in a long time. But I have, again, I have to see first. Oh, we need to talk about our most anticipated game, actually, not Elden Ring. Oh, are you going to just... Okay, just, just, just dance. Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to be... I'm just, I'm just curious to see if it's still coming out on the Wii. It's got to, man. But, yeah, there was the Rabbids game that was already... Le- Nintendo announced that ahead of time by having it on their website or something like that. It's Oops. a shame. And, yeah, there was just this. But it's like, what else did they have? I don't know. I couldn't think of anything else that Ubisoft had. Um, then there was... Chaos. Chaos. I've come. I've come to kill Chaos. Chaos. The funny thing is, even watching the Japanese gameplay, they pronounce it differently. It's just as terrible. Because they say, like, chaos instead. So you just hear, like, it's like, oh, that sounds so bad. (laughs) (laughs) I don't actually know any Japanese. I don't. (laughs) Boku no name wa krisi desu. Chaos. (laughs) Boku no name. No, actually, it's something like watashi wa chaos. Like, it's like. Yeah, it's like, my name is Chaos. And it's like, <laughs> the, the Japanese voice acting is at least better. But it's like, oh my gosh. And it sounds so bad in English in a trailer when, like, every execution, the guy's like, KILL YOU! Why aren't you dead already? Speaking of PS2 era action RPGs. Oh my gosh, you're right. That That's another one that, that's, that's kind of what the vibe I was getting. And this one I will, so, okay, so I said... I, I originally play I because the way the trailer looks, I originally blamed like j- some journalists not knowing how to describe game genre. Um, it does turn out to be a kind of Souls like ish because the demo's out. People played some of it. Our buddy Nolan has, but it's like that trailer was so bad at selling it. And when that leak came out, and it was like that Souls like, and I'm thinking of course of Dark Souls' art style and aesthetic. And it's like based in the world of Final Fantasy One, and I think back to all the enemies stolen from Dungeons and Dragons monster manuals, and I think back to the original Final Fantasy uh, strategy guide for the from Nintendo Power, and I think of the monster manual art from like Second Edition, and I think of this in a Souls like form. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh man, this could look amazing. This could look great. This could be awesome. And then the trailer begins. A bold new vision for Final Fantasy. It's Tetsuya Namada bullcrap. It's Tetsuya Namada bullcrap where they look like they're dressed in modern clothing with plastic, like 3D printed cosplay armor that's not even painted. It looks awful. It looks pretty bad. It's so. Oh my goodness. And then, yeah. Again, I'm, a, I'm like a certified fanboy. I even like. Tetsuya Namura, I, you know, I... You would. I, I, you know, I won't even go there, but... 
Uh, you know, I like his designs and style. I like and them in a game like where the world ends with you. Yes. Because they're modern day and they fit. And because Final Fantasy XV was literally modern day, but with fantasy elements, it was more tolerable. If you're if you're reimagining Final Fantasy One, Tetsuya Nomura is not your guy. And if you're trying to call it a bold new vision for Final Fantasy, you don't hire Tetsuya Nomura. The guy who is most most recognizable as the. Final Face Fantasy of modern seven, Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 10 character designer. Like, already, that's like, dude, ain't nothing bold about this guy's designs. And, of course, 15. Like, there's nothing bold about this guy's designs. So, yeah, that was... For, maybe even the character designs for 13, I don't know. But, yeah, like that, that, that... And, of course, again, Nolan played the demo, and he comes back and he's like, there's like three bo- block buttons for this game. And it's like that's 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 completely unnecessary. Well, it's more like two and a half because the one is like the one's already a block button, but then when you press R like L one, but then you press R one, and it's a some other block, and it's like ugh. so it's it's I'm not looking forward to it. Team Ninja is failing me. Square Enix is failing me. Babylon's Fall. I did sign up for closed beta. Because I think I realized a few th- reasons why this trailer hit so badly. Um, firstly, of course, you know, why is it four-player? Why doesn't it look that good? Why are they saying live service game? Like, yeah, this is not when you looked at the 2018, 2019, 2019 gameplay reveal. It looks like a platinum game, single-player character action now the signs were there for four players the signs are always there it made me wonder if they were making like a character action souls like but no they instead are making a live service hack and slash and the two things they should have done to avoid the backlash when they announced it or at least when they first showed the gameplay make it clear this is a four player hack and slash game Mm-hmm. And the second thing is, don't refer to live service. Say it's Platinum Games' take on Diablo, loot-driven hack and slash. Like, do not say live service game. Loot-driven will, yeah. no matter what, have a negative. But if you at least make the comparison to something like Diablo, it's something like, okay, I'm willing to see what Platinum Games does with that approach. I, I honestly like live service game. Almost feels like a slur. At this point, is he here? Uh, like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a live service game. Ew. Ew. No, um, no. You're the Marvel fanboy. You actually went and bought Marvel's Avengers despite the warning signs that were the beta. What are your thoughts then on what you saw of Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, I don't think it's. It's like going to be very much like Marvel's Avengers. That, that that doesn't seem to be... I mean, Marvel. so Marvel's Avengers basically is there are a handful of cinematic missions, and those missions are connected by sort of you know, scenarios in repeated environments. Like 
not unlike Destiny, right? Where you got an intro mission that feels very cinematic, new area, yeah, like yeah. unique areas that you only see in this mission. And then you have All the a whole bunch of content. missions that, okay, we're going to go, we're going to start you in this open world area that you is a patrol zone kind of thing. And then we're going to go here. All right, then this next mission, okay, we're going to start you in this patrol zone and go here. And then after four or five of those, okay, here is a cinematic mission in a new area that's unique. So I, I don't feel like the Guardians of the Galaxy game is going with that that sort of that mission. That element, no, definitely And not. I think that's kind of the worst element where, I mean, there would... And I guess we'll see with the, the actual, you know, gameplay, combat stuff. But to me, that is the... The worst part of Avengers is just the... The live service parts? Yeah, basically the live service parts. I think it would have been a much stronger game if it were not a live service game. So if Guardians of the Galaxy manages to preserve some of the, the better parts... And I think there were some interesting things about the where they failed in, in some aspects, like with the Hulk. I think they succeeded in others like with Thor and Hawkeye in making the characters feel, in, or even Iron Man, making the characters feel interesting and unique. Um, and here at least with Guardians of the Galaxy, you're focused on Star-Lord. You play right. Star-Lord, which is also funny because I expected you to play all of them or something. Nope, you only play Star-Lord. And I guess what gets around that is the telltale choices element. You're able to make choices. It has, like, you know, Rocket will remember that, yada, yada. Yeah. So, how that will impact and shape things. Thing is, I, I after Marvel's Avengers, if this is built off the same tech, which evidently all of it's, like, the Tomb Raider engine and stuff. Hmm. Um, but if it's, like, using some of the same melee combat feel and other stuff like that, then it's not going to feel good to me. Because Marvel's Avengers did not really feel that, ver that good to me. I mean, I guess we'll see play, what kind so. of improvements... That they make, but yeah. So that was, in some ways, if you don't count the Legend of Mana cinematic reveal, which got the most positive reception, Guardians of the Galaxy is kind of victory by default. Though at the same time, we can't really trust the reception to Life is Strange for reasons that are unfortunate. Because um, I'm, I'm not I, big on it. I'm not big on the, the, the franchise, but... The first season, I have my issues with, but it's more like like the, the character stuff, I guess is the best way I can put it. It wasn't bad, though. It was very entertaining and even engrossing at points. And I can understand why people want more of that. I do find it interesting that they've kind of failed to acknowledge Life is Strange 2 at all. They've only acknowledge the first don't nod developed life is strange and then they favored uh the before the storm which is not by don't nod mm. and now this true colors is also not by don't nod but other than that honestly it's like these games ain't for me um good for the people that are looking forward to them and that's about it so it's like one of those things where i completely forget about it being shown yeah, no, that's, I, I did. I did watch watch that again. Yeah, I enjoyed the first the first season or whatever it is, and um, I didn't play the second, uh, so I don't really have I, or before the storm. 
So, uh, uh, yeah, other than the fact, right, it's somewhat like a Telltale game um, in terms of the overall structure, which I've always enjoyed, the sort of adventure, you know, dialogue tree games. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to play Season 3, but like you said, like, I can definitely understand somebody wanting to play it, and... Uh, yeah, yeah, just so it's just funny again though because it does feel like Marvel's Mar- Guardians of the Galaxy rather got victory by default. Um, yeah. Now we do have, of course, the next big conference, which is Microsoft. Which is fun. I think with Microsoft, I feel like you feel with Nintendo, which is like I. There's a lot of stuff here that I'm interested in. If it weren't for Game Pass, I'd probably skip on just about all of it. Yeah, it's... Especially for 2021. It's weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm in some of the same, somewhat of the same boat where I have a hard time getting really into anything. You know, Halo Infinite is something I'm going to play. Yes. And that, actually, that's a good place, I think, to start. Because Halo, I mean, we're both big Halo fans. Yeah. I love the Halo franchise even now, even though I found even 3 to be a disappointment, and 4 was definitely like not as bad as I remember, but that's partially in light of 5. 5 I never really want to ever go back to again. But Halo Infinite... I've played through it twice. The initial reveal wasn't that great, but I can't tell if that's because they were probably playing on normal or not. And I'm like heroic or legendary or bust never lower than heroic so for me that first reveal was not very good looking for a lot of reasons there's they're clearly in deep with trying to fix it mm-hmm. there's a lot of information i think the director left it might have been the second director not a thing about it that left um and joseph statton's back and evidently there's a lot of like fixing and trying to make modifications to what's there so what they showed off was the multiplayer, but even then, I'll be honest, the multiplayer looks like Halo multiplayer. And I think that is a good first step. And also, regardless, I think regardless of Game Pass, multiplayer is free to play. Yeah. So if you don't have Game Pass, you might still be able to play the multiplayer so that I think is a really strong positive move on their part. I commend them for that, and I think it's a good move. To, and it's funny because it's what people have wanted for a long time from like Call of Duty, right? Yeah. Separate the multiplayer from the campaign, and that's exactly what they're doing. They have the multiplayer, and, but then the campaign is going to be its own thing. I haven't looked too much into it. But their battle pass model also seems to be uh, people are definitely getting behind that. So I guess what my understanding was that it it doesn't go away kind of thing. So like with Fortnite, you have your battle pass and whatever, you get 100 levels. And if you get 50 in one season, then you got 50. And the, the second 50 levels of rewards are basically gone forever. Where with, the, where with the Halo battle pass, or they might, you know, they might, some of those items might end up getting recycled through the store or something like that. Mm. But then with the Halo Battle Pass, it's like, you if you bought the season, whatever it is, 
then you have you have till the end of time essentially to unlock the rewards from that season. Mm. You never stop making progress. You can buy the next season and make pro- continue to make progress, but something along those lines. Where it, it seemed like a they're just even these sort of these elements that everyone kind of hates about modern multiplayer games and free-to-play games. It seems like they're looking hard at these things and trying to do a more fair, more consumer-friendly, player-friendly version of it, which is also hopeful. And that seems to definitely fit in line with what Phil Spencer's currently doing. Um, Other than Halo having my interest, and we might even see more of that tomorrow, because again... The extended showcase, but yeah. I would expect I would expect more of a deep dive into the multiplayer. Um, we'll find out after this is gone live. Ayudin Chronicles is the only game they showcase that I will get because I already kickstarted it. <laughs> um, it is it is a perfect example though because it's like wait a minute this isn't until like a while now is it? And what do you know? At the very end they said 2023. Oof. So this game is a spiritual successor to Swakodan. And it looks gorgeous. They did the Octopath Traveler, but less pixelated. And it makes sense to be less pixelated because Skoden was a PlayStation game, not Super Nintendo. So you are getting a different fidelity of 2D sprites to take inspiration from. And dude, this game looks so gorgeous. And they announced in 2022 as at least some kind of a side-scroller prequel, spin-off, I don't know. But hmm. 2023, it kind of indicates a lot of what Microsoft did, which is... At least half of what they showed were 2022. I think that was like the one one of the weak points, especially when we know they had other first-party games they could show. But the strategy was to show off Game Pass and having a lot of third parties, because everybody knows yeah. now first party is going to be on Game Pass. Doesn't matter. But when you show all these third parties that are coming to Game Pass day one, that makes a statement. Yeah. I think. Definitely, yeah. No, Game Pass is definitely a looking like a almost yeah. like a must-have at this point. But when it comes to this year, see, what are your thoughts on Back for Blood? I don't think you've said anything about Back for Blood. I haven't. I I like co-op shooters. I liked Left for Dead. I like. I would be happy to play Back for Blood. Uh, you know, like and you I, can because Game I'm not, Pass. I, I'm not. It's not like. I guess it's not something I'm particularly excited about, but it's possible because now it looks like there's a whole slew of Left 4 Dead clones. Like, come, like Vermintide kickstarted it, right? Yeah. Like they're just bursting at the seams now. For me, part of what makes Left 4 Dead is the guns, so Vermintide didn't really quite hit right. Yeah. But now you've got Dark Tide, right? Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, which is guns, and now we've got Back for Blood, and now we've got other stuff. Like, it's it's. But for me, I was wary of Back for Blood. I wasn't sure because I needed to know what the Warner Brothers microtransaction crap would be. Hmm. Now I don't need to care because I could just play it on Game Pass. There you go. So, uh, let's see. We have, yeah. Ooh, Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds 2, which I haven't played the first one yeah, yet. Yeah. It's, so, if you haven't played the first Outer Worlds, it's basically like a... Somebody took the sort of Fallout 3 formula and 
made it a little bit more focused, I think. And because I haven't played it was definitely a Fallout Four or New world. Vegas, yeah, it's smaller. Well, but there's also sort of like smaller segments that fit together. But I feel like it feels more focused to me than Fallout. There's less. That's not hard. I mean, that's obviously not hard. But that was something that 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 it would fall out. The newer Fallout games have been lacking is is a good sense of giving the player focus. So Outer Worlds did that pretty well. It's a little bit more, you know, on the sort of humor scale. It leans a little bit more into the tongue-in-cheek satire humor stuff. I don't know if it ever really goes too far with it. Um, there were definitely some weaknesses in the, like, they just didn't, maybe didn't have enough time or other things to really give the player the options that you wanted in because you know there's basically the the structure of the game is there's multiple different planets and then on each planet you figure out how to solve whatever their problem is and you have more than one way to do this which will make you you know give you points with whichever factions that you get and so you know the funny thing is I've already heard enough and watched yeah. enough about the game that I know the choices aren't really that great, this, that, the other thing. So I know, like... Well, I think, I know I think a lot of the... Cho- see, I mean, a lot of the choices are good. And, like, some of it's impactful. So, like, as an example, depending on the choices you make, you might be able to literally just walk through the entire last dungeon or whatever of the game. Mm. Because if you are... You know, if you're in cahoots with the Imperials, you make a lot of stuff very... Um, yeah. And it sort of it has that sense that I, where you can kind of break the game with the right choices, too. The right builds. You know, you can... That's funny, because I've known people to play the game multiple times, and they feel like that's actually not what you can do. Like, the game... There were definitely some, some parts where I felt like... It's funny. I had game-breaking, like... I could talk my way out of any situation, kind of, you know. Interesting. I'll have to find out, because the general thing that I hear about and feel about the game when I hear people talk about it is they sold it as the creators of Fallout, and that's true. It is the creators of Fallout 1 and 2, or at least generally speaking. But it's not up to the quality. It's just a pretty decent RPG, but it's not going to be memorable for a lot of people. It's not going to be a foundation for people. Like Fallout was. I, I could agree with that. And so what I guess what The Outer Worlds 2 could be is an opportunity to improve on those things. You know, where, you know, there's the, the sort of the video game sequel thing that's the opposite of the movie sequel thing. Where, you know, was that like, was that a face? No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. sorry. Uh, no, no. Well, no, you know how it is where where a lot of times, you know, the movie sequel is just not as good as the original, but the video game sequel manages to take uh, all of the things uh, that were good about the first game and, and fill in all the things that were lacking uh, from a gameplay and structure perspective. So, well, consi- yeah, here's a question to wonder. The original Outer, Outer Worlds is part of Private Division, which was like the double-A publishing arm of 
2K, Take Two, I think it was the same thing, I don't know. It was like the, the, the yeah. AA level publishing arm of them. Is Outer Worlds 2 going to be a first party Microsoft joint, or is that a continuation of the publishing deal? Hmm, I don't know. Because if it's a first party Microsoft joint, it might partially then be, they might be able to expand on their idea because now they have the money because Microsoft's going to just shove it in their face. So that I think is going to be something interesting to look into. Um, Starfield was announced or rather trailered. Firstly, if you were one of those people looking to see if they're going to show Elder Scrolls 6, Man, you, you either have short, 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 short memory, or you were just darn fool because Todd Howard, when they revealed that logo for Elder Scrolls 6, was like, don't expect anything for a long time. <laughs> and he specifically made it clear after Starfield. Starfield was just announced for November 11th, 2022. Don't expect Elder <laughs> Scrolls 6 at this E3. You, you, you not to, you, you person that can't listen. Yeah. Try not to insult. But yeah, I mean, I don't know I, if you care about Starfield. I, I feel like I should, but I don't. I mean, it's kind of hard. It's just like two cinematic-ish, one teaser, and one, then one trailer. No gameplay footage or anything. And to me, I might be intrigued until I saw the person put the gun on the table. And then it's like, I just flash back to Fallout 3 combat. And it's like, no. No, I don't want to play a game by Bethesda. Not by Bethesda games proper, at least. I, I do not want to play that. So, but hey, Game Pass. So who knows? Maybe I'll try it yeah. after all. Like, that's the funny thing again. Yeah, Game, game now, Pass is the ultimate now, rental now service. I'm, like, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm wondering, is it going to be... That's a long silence. I might have to edit out. No, no, no. I was thinking about, I'm thinking about like, like the. It's supposed to be like Skyrim in space or something, but then like, one, how does that work? Like, is there going to be like space combat? Well, who said Skyrim in space? I don't know. People. So that's the question. Did Bethesda ever say Skyrim in space, or did, I don't know, did your mom ever say Skyrim in space? Goodness no. She doesn't know what a Skyrim is. <laughs> she thinks it's the devil. Okay, <laughs> so then, so then we're probably good, and we should just talk about Nintendo. Nintendo, which do you have anything to discuss with Nintendo? Because I certainly have a, a decent amount. I mean, okay, so I want to like Skyward Sword, not Skyward <laughs> Sword, Breath of the Wild. I also want to like Skyward Sword, but I want to like Breath of the Wild. Nobody wants to like Skyward Sword. People that beat the game don't want to like Skyward Sword. Because they beat the game, they don't want to like Skyward Sword. <laughs> like, <laughs> Alright. But... Uh, I know, I, I do want to like Breath of the Wild. And so I want to be excited about Breath of the Wild too. I'm not currently. Um, all of those party-type games, WarioWare and Mario Party, are obviously coming into my house. Children, yes. Um... So there's that. Mario Golf, Mario Party. There was there was stuff that I forgot. Like I forgot about like the Astria Ascending de uh, trailer, which is like, oh yeah, it looks like a Vanillaware game. It's just not by Vanillaware. Um, there's a few 
Like, there's a lot of trailers they had, but it's like, for me, like, even Advanced Wars 1 and 2, right? Yeah. Uh, for, there's something about, like, I know there are intelligent systems who are the same people that do Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is my kind of tactical RPG speed, and Advanced Wars does not seem to be. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. There's evidently contention over the visuals of it. Hmm. It is by developed by Way Forward, so these are guys that have a faith to retro. The problem, I think, is they're being very faithful to the color palette of the original game, but it's also the color palette that the original game had because the original Game Boy Advance did not have a backlit screen, right. so it's very bright. Very bright colors. Yeah, it's it's that sort of thing where... It's also lacking a lot of contrast, even the shadows and lighting. Mm -hmm. And so where the original graphics worked is because they had those bold, thick outlines in black. This could use that kind of cell shading. Give everything a bold, thick black line in cell shading and it'll look immediately better, I guarantee you. Yeah, that might be that might be true. So the okay, the other thing that stuck out, obviously, before I'll uh, I'll let you talk about the thing that you want to talk about, is I do need to play an actual proper uh, Shin Megami Tensei game. Yeah, I realized why something felt underwhelming about that in this trailer, actually, for me at least, and even their treehouse presentation. They didn't show me anything I didn't already know. And it's yeah. not even just about this specific game because there wasn't anything to know about this specific game other than a couple of very vague trailers. No, it's that I already know how Shimigami Tensei Combat works. It's similar but slightly different to Persona because Persona's a spin-off. Yeah. Um, and it's usually difficult. But otherwise, like, I know how this works. Now... This trailer was clearly for people that have never even heard of a Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it didn't. That's I guess that's what it is. It didn't really do anything to get me excited about it. It's like oh, I guess I should play this. Like I've played. Thanks for teaching me the very basics of combat and the evil devil Pokemon perspective, like <laughs> satanic Pokemon, effectively. Oh my goodness! I, you know what? I wish I knew about Shin Megami Tensei. Like, I don't, actually, but in some ways I kind of do. When people were talking about, like, Pokemon is satanic, it's from the devil. No, no, no. Let me, show you, let me show exactly. you something let satanic. Let me show you. <laughs> let me show you the real satanic Pokemon. Let me tell you. Yeah. It might not have even been brought over to America yet. That's the funny thing. No, yeah. It's funny, because I remember looking at it in a in like a small game store um, you know on the PS2 era no, One, yeah Shin Megami Tensei 3 probably yeah and I was like I'm looking for more RPGs but this just looks really evil <laughs> <laughs> so I had Dante from Devil May Cry in some versions of it yeah but so I never I never picked it up and um and I'm refusing to now with the Nocturne th- uh, remaster because they do have the Dante from Devil May Cry DLC and some others, but it's separate DLC. They're t- charging like 60 bucks for this remaster of a PS2 game 
with barely any quality of life improvements, and then they're daring to charge DLC for all the extra content. Meanwhile, Electronic Arts of all people over here is like, yeah, you can have Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 with all the DLC, except the multiplayer, and then except for this one DLC. But otherwise, you have it all, and it's for $60, and it's like, wow. And you're not a PS2 game. Like, ha. <laughs> that's, that, yeah. Yeah, that is a little bit. Boycott. All right, that's what I'm just, I'm boycotting it. Not because it's evil, but because, uh, because they're greedy. evil, greedy, greedy, yeah. It's for the seven deadly yeah. sins, so that's evil. So, obviously, the most important... Uh, you know what, let's save that for very last, but... Um, okay. For me, though, I think that actually the... It's funny, the two other games that I'm actually really interested in were not part of the Direct, at least in America. In Japan, they announced Super Robot Wars 30th Anniversary. I just got an import, and it's funny because they do have English localization in the game, they just probably for licensing issues, can't release the game in America. Uh, I do have hmm. an import now of Super Robot Wars T. I cannot play it yet because my Switch has been sent in for repairs. Mm. Um, well, I mean, you know about the fan issue, right? I think yeah, I talked yeah, about I know we podcast. talked about that. Yeah, no, I did see that you had you had sent it in for repairs. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, I'm hoping for the best because I do want to play the Super Robot Wars T. I do want to play No More Heroes 3, which they... Head and Treehouse, but they didn't have in their presentation, and that comes out in August. They did give a good look at the gameplay. The early parts of their demonstration weren't that great, but it was like the basics of gameplay. The boss doesn't look like the most interesting boss, but it's interesting enough, and it's just no more heroes, man. Like, I started playing the first one again on stream because they bought the HD remasters on Steam. Um... And it feels punk in that this is a band that is lucky to put something that sounds like a song together in their garage, recording with whatever they can on a cassette tape, and it sounds like it's not polished at all, but dang if it isn't, if there isn't something about it, right? Yeah, it's been so okay. My only experience with the No More Heroes franchise was No More Heroes, Heroes Paradise with PlayStation Move controls on the PS3. Oh my goodness, evidently, according to Nolan, that's like the worst version. <laughs> Is it really? Okay, so that I've actually played what, how many like assassins do you need to kill? Do you remember? In the first one, it's 10. 10. Okay, I want to say I got through like seven assassins on that one. So I got pretty far into the game, but all I remember is the the shaking motion you needed to do <laughs> with the Wii mode to get your. Now, were you playing this when you were ma married, or like? Yes. Okay, so I can already see one of the reasons you never finished. Ah, uh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like games that are anathema to your wife. No more heroes at the top of that list. Like, it may not be number one, but it's up there. Outriders is also up there, evidently. Um, but yeah. yeah, No More Heroes 3, definitely looking forward to. And also, is especially like like especially if you play Travis Strikes Again, which I did not actually like that much. But from interviews and from you know playing Travis Strikes Again, 
It's clear that after bouncing around between AAA companies on contract and other stuff that Suda51 was starting to lose the joy of making games again. Because hmm. No More Heroes was the last game he fully directed himself. Um, all the other games that get his name on them, like Lollipop Chainsaw, uh, he did not direct. He did write Shadows of the Damned. But a lot of the decisions of that game ended up being overdone by EA. He did not direct... Um, I'm having a hard time imagining EA having a lot of creative oversight in the final product of Shadows of the Damned. You'd but. be surprised. I should see if I can look up information on it. You'd be surprised. That's interesting to me. Because that just seems like such a... like. It seems like they'd be the ones trying to tone it down, right? Yeah. Nah, that game is not what Suda51 originally wanted it to be. Hmm. Um, but again, I don't think he directed it. He just wrote it. Um, Man, now, I, but, now I, like, I'm going to feel miserable all night because I'm be thinking about the ending of that game. But then you also have Killer is Dead, which he did not direct, but his name was tacked on to. And that was uh, Katakawa Games published. And like that game got a lot of flack for like the Gigolo missions. And it turns out Suda51 was like, that wasn't our idea. That was the publisher. We were getting worried. We were going to be just known as, like, the guys that, like, sex too much. And like, like, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of feel bad for the guy if that's if that's the case. So, everyone just kind yeah. of attached his name to, like, hey, we're going to put something pervy in this game. Let's see if we can get Suda51 to yeah. sign on. So in a lot of ways, Travis Strikes Again is, like, this sort of... And he found inspiration in indie games, too. Hmm. That's one of the reasons Travis Strikes Again has so many homages to indie games. He found something in them and he basically used Travis Strikes again to reconnect with game development again and to love it again. And at the end, the whole reason for that digression was when you get to the end of the Treehouse demonstration and have this special message from Suda, the dude feels like he's having the time of his life making No More Heroes 3. And that is honestly something. Like, I want to support that. So I do... Like, I am going to get this game easy day one. Uh, probably buy a physical copy for it. And just hmm. have a blast. But... Yeah, the um, the game. The first game. The only announcement to come close... To, to approach the same excitement as Elden Ring for me. Metroid Dread. I already knew from last year rumors of Mercury Steam working on a 2D Metroid game, probably a Fusion remake, because when they approached Nintendo originally, it was to do a Fusion remake, and Nintendo said, no, remake Metroid 2, and a Metroid 2 remake, and a Samus Returns. There's a tease towards uh, Fusion. Okay, they're clearly making a Metroid Fusion remake. This is the year it's going to get announced. Well, they can... As soon as Samus comes on, I'm like, oh, is that the new fusion suit or something? No, because then it says Metroid 5. Right. And... The other bit that really made it hit. The title. Metroid Dread. Metroid Prime Corruption. After rumors that there was a new 2D game called Metroid Dread being developed for the DS, has a, a, a log, and technically it's like two logs, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the Space Pirates talking about Experiment Metroid Dread. 
Then there's another audio log that says it was a failure needed to be um, can like, like the the to dropped kind of a thing. So people are like, wait, was this mm-hmm. game canceled? It did turn out it was. Rumors later uh, came about on the 3DS that it was picking back up, but then you know nobody heard anything about it. Yoshio Sakamoto um, credited as co-creator. That's a long story. Hmm. Um, and the guy responsible for the awful story of Other M and producer on a lot of these games, he discussed the fact that they wanted to do something with these games that they never had the tech to do. And they finally have it, and they got Mercury Steam working on it, and it looks so slick. It looks yeah, so good. It does. And polished. And what makes me excited, because Samus Returns does play well. And it has a lot of quality of life improvements that worked really well in Samus Returns. The problem is, it's based off of Metroid 2, and AM2R had the same issue. Both another Metroid remake, uh, Metroid 2 remake, and Samus Returns, both of them are based off the same Metroid 2 for Game Boy, which was the most linear of the Metroid games and had these huge giant chasms. It was an interesting step forward for the franchise after the Metroid game on the NES, but Super Metroid really did make what makes a Metroid. Yeah. Dread is Mercury Steam's freedom to make a new Metroid. And with their quality of life improvements, their approach to, from what I've seen in gameplay, their approach to exploring the world and navigation, and the combat prowess of Samus... Dude, I am expecting something really exciting. Like, I stopped watching the tree. Like, every year I watch like, the Treehouse presentations for E3. Because they actually play the game. It's not a scripted demonstration, yeah, yeah. pre-recorded, or anything like that. It is, they're playing the game. They load up parts of the game. They've run into glitches in these games yeah, they play. Yeah. And I just, I was like, you know what? No more spoilers. I want to go in as clean as I can. I'm buying it. I'm waiting for pre-orders for the collector's edition. It's going to cost me $90 for this game. I'm going to get that art book just in case it has uh, information about the development. And mm-hmm. I'm getting that steel book. The steel book looks pretty. Um, but yeah, dude, I am this this is the game. And it's coming this year, coming this October. I am so hyped, so excited. Dude, you cannot believe, and it's why, you know, I come in here, and your kids don't really care, and it's like, you have failed as a father. You have not educated <laughs> these children. What's funny is, I play so many different, you know, Metroidvania-ish games, but Metroid itself just hasn't uh, grabbed me in the same way. I guess I, I need to play more actual Metroid games. Well, I will admit, it's also kind of... If you ask me, right now, today, what's the best 2D Metroid to play? I don't know if I could answer that, because there's aspects of Super Metroid that have especially not aged... Like most of Super Metroid, I think, ages great. But there are parts of it that don't. And it also... I don't know if it's the sound effects or something else... Parts of it have a weird feel to them. Hmm. The one thing about all the Game Boy Advance Metroid games is they feel 
smooth to play. They feel really nice. The, the controls are tight, uh, polished. The thing is, they start to get very handholdy. Fusion is very handholdy, doesn't allow a lot of exploration, and there's a very brief window where you're able to go around and try and 100% the game, and then when you're locked away from doing so. Zero Missions, a remake of the first game, it's alright, but also again handholdy, and adds a completely unnecessary last chapter. As discussed with um, Samus Returns, it's very linear, and that's also on the 3DS. Like everything else, you can really play on the Wii U or something. But so, like to that extent, it's like honestly, if you want to jump into the Metroid franchise, it probably worked best for Metroid Prime One or Two, or Three. But Metroid Prime is probably your best jumping point when it comes to modernization. Other M is fun in gameplay, but you have to get over a lot of other issues. So well, yeah, and that's kind of like the challenge. So like, if I said, you know, oh, you know, I want to get into Sonic games. Like, where, 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 should, I, where should I start with Sonic games or something? Like, I can go on my Xbox right now, on, and I can download. Uh, Sonic Adventure DX, Sonic Adventure 2, you know, Sonic Classic Collection with, you know, 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. If I want to get into Metroid, it's like, okay, well, this one was really good, but it's only on the DS, basically, and you can play these the, ones on the Wii, and... All of them are basically playable on the Wii U through the virtual console and other downloads. Can you still Sonic access, returned. can you still download new can you buy games on the wii u virtual console still for now i forget when the the shutdown date is I, it actually might be soon so i might need to go on a spending spree but still so be, being locked to the wii u e even then kind of makes it you know yeah no i understand and, and I, I know it's just anyway i'm i will definitely pick up metroid dread and hopefully that will serve as a good entry point into yeah. I mean I've played Met the original Metroid I played the original Metroid you know in the appropriate era for the original Metroid on the original NES you know I played yeah. I played Super Metroid again on a Super Nintendo I never beat it I played it on emulation as well I had a GBA briefly I played Metroid Fusion and Metroid Zero Mission on that never beat either of them on the on the GBA. So it's not like I'm a stranger to Metroid. Maybe there's something in Castlevania you like better. Like maybe this is where we were reversed because like I've I've the only oh shoot, that's what I gotta do is I gotta buy a bunch of the GBA Castlevania games on virtual console. Um maybe I'll try those to help tide me over until uh But no, like that's that's as part of it. Like Oh my goodness. But yeah, that we should be wrapping up yeah, Metroid Dread. Oh, it's so good, and that's the thing that that was the, unlike Elden Ring. Elden, the, uh, the surprise of Elden Ring is that they showed it so early. I was expecting that at the Microsoft conference. Yeah, Microsoft, M Metroid Dread is a new game, and again, like the more I think about it, the more perfect it seems. Because like the the at first I was worried about the Emmy robots they called them that kind of track you and follow you. But it's clear whenever you enter a new zone, it's going to follow you, but you have ways to escape. Like, it's not like 
constantly pursuing you throughout the entire game kind of a thing. It's this additional obstacle for a while. It, it made me and think of Nemesis in Resident Evil 3. That's the thing. Like, it's sort of a... It's not as present as Mr. X's in Resident Evil 2. Because my first thought when I saw them was like, man, this is going to annoy speedrunners. But then, you know, seeing it in action, it's like, oh no. Speedrunners are going to figure out where these things spawn, what their in initial AI instinct is, and how to, like, kind of get them to go this way and then they can go that way. Speedrunners are going to figure out ways around these things real easy. And it's going to be really interesting to go in and play. The only downside is, again, they brought back Adam from Fusion. Like, the story thing is where I'm most worried. But gameplay, it's looking like this could be the Metroid, the, the 2D Metroid since Super Metroid. So I'm really, really excited to see what happens. Um, but otherwise, that's effectively the show. Uh, who knows what the Microsoft uh, extra you know, breakdown will have. Blah, 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 blah. I was going to say, well, I, I think, and this that's what the show was lacking, were the Metroid Dread moments. Yes. And that seems to be more and more these days, actually. And I know, I know that, that, yeah, that is kind of a thing, but it just like, because I actually, the, the Nintendo one was one that I was watching blind. I was, I think I was watching it after the fact, but I hadn't checked any of the trailers. And that was a surprise to me, and it looked great. Um, but it's like, yeah, you don't get, you know everything, and even the things that, you know, like it's, it's like, like the indies, right? Like a lot of the yeah. indies, like you may not have heard of them, but at this at this point, there's also such a deluge of them. I think deluge is the correct word. There's yeah. so many, and they kind of start to blur together when so many, especially when it comes to like, okay, what am I interested in? A lot of like specific genres. Oh, there's a lot of games in these genres I like. Wait, which one was which again? Like I had to go back and rewatch trailers to remember like. And going back to the trailers, I'm like, wait, what was Hunt the Night again? What was Arietta uh, again? Like, what? Yeah. I remember I, I added them because they looked good. Um, oh, yeah. One of them had a trailer for Gestalt, Steam, and Cinder at some point. Uh, I still don't have a release date for that. I knew about that from, I think, last year. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. But it's, it is, it is kind of. No, I think right. that's what made E3 into such a big. Deal was there the was big the moments, the, the moments, surprises yeah. and the moments, and those have gone away. And part of it's because more and more developers split off to do their own thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, they don't, or they'll just have a press release with an announcement, and here's the trailer, or like, or you get this whole thing where like the trailers have teasers, and the teasers have trailers, and so or yeah, 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 yeah. where like. You know, you got the the thirty second trailer at E three twenty twenty, and you got the one minute trailer at E three twenty twenty one, and then whatever at TGS, you're gonna get the the gameplay reveal. But it just doesn't feel as exciting as if at TGS you just got the game. You like all of a sudden, bam, Damn, new game with gameplay and all this. Anyway, I, yeah. I expect we we might at the state of play, 
But yeah, that's the thing. Like a lot of times they do their own events. EA is going to be doing their own events soon. Um, again, Sony's next month. Nintendo's going to have more directs, of course, because they are. I'm, I'm telling people, because I do believe the, the the Switch Pro is real. It's just as soon as they saw, because people were predicting, oh, they're going to reveal it before E3, and it's like time was ticking, and it's like they got a 40 minute presentation. They're not revealing a console at E3, and of course, people were were, were saying they're like. Why is there no Switch Pro, man? What happened to it? And it's like, dude, they're not going to announce it in a 40-minute presentation. Think. Yeah. Is it, you know what? I need to do that think so-and-so think uh, meme. I got I to gotta take that when it comes to this stuff. And there's <laughs> fireworks. I think it was a fireworks. It sounded like fireworks. Either are gunshots. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They're all the time in this neighborhood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the... um, not Anyways, yeah, we need to wrap up, so... Again, though, I will be resuming on Monday with my buddies Joey and Zach. Going to try and take a bit more of a uh, industry angle, but we'll probably talk games too, because I know Joey's going to want to talk Metroid Dread. He was hyped for that too, so... Um, no, we'll see. And he, the, he is going to want to gripe about Square Enix. So <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be interesting. But yeah, uh, tune into that. Twitch.tv slash RamblePack64. Uh, Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, I think I'll probably have a link to it in the show notes, quote-unquote, on the blog. So, all right, with that said, um, I hope you all have a good night. And in in the comments to this page, again, ramblepack64.com, there should be an update page for this. Feel free to drop in in the comments what you were interested in or ramblepack64 at gmail.com. Send in an email and say, hey, you know, this is what I was really interested in from E3. Let us know. Um, and we might do a thing where we actually read comments on if we if we, if we got enough comments. You know what? I, I think I did get comments. You know what? I should do a, a, a shout out. I think I did get comments for um, the Batman Arkham one. So I should actually look that up. It's, 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 you see how, like, not used to this I am? Uh, no, not Ramblewood Country Club. <laughs> there we go. There's my website. Yeah, you f- have a website? Yes, ramblepack64.com. Because, um, yeah, we did have a couple of comments when we did, um, there was a Lino who did a lot of stuff in a Volvagia. Volvagia. Wait a minute, I know that screen name. Wolvagia. I forget who that screen name is. I know it, though. Hmm. Son of a gun. It's been a while. It's a mystery. It is. A mystery. Um, but they were talking Warner Brothers property. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This was the question to... We ended with, what would you like to see Rocksteady do? Right, I don't know if you listened to the podcast. Yeah, you did. I, I actually, I started listening to it. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I was like, wait, I'm not on this one. Why am I listening to this? <laughs> um, but at the end, we asked, you know, if there was anything that you would have um, Rocksteady make if they weren't making Suicide Squad. That was also not like Batman. What would you have them make? He said Wonder Woman. Um, he also put up for The hmm. Punisher, but in hindsight, he thought, nah, maybe not. What I put forward was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just less, you know, violent so that it wouldn't be like... So you could have the kids play it. 
or Predator, but in the city. So like Predator, like 2. Predator 2. So I would love to see either one of those. We did mention uh, Daredevil, but uh, Volvagia uh, mentioned, and in some ways I wasn't sure why. I guess because of what Warner owned, yeah. So Wonder Woman, they mentioned Metalocalypse from Adult Swim, Adventure Time or Billy and Mandy from main Cartoon Network, and for some reason, Austin Powers from New Line Cinema? But, yeah, um... I could almost... There's a weird way that Adventure... I feel like Adventure Time works. Yeah. I could picture some interesting thing in, in Rocksteady combat style using Jake the Dog. Um... <laughs> but, no, that's, that's interesting. But, yeah, Lino, though, had a really long comment that is... I did have a response to, uh, it did largely talk about, um, combat, because that was one of the things that we discussed a lot of, so it, um, it is a lot to read here, but thank you, Lino, and thank you, Volvagia, even though I really gotta remember who the heck Volvagia is, I feel like I know them in human person form, so I just really gotta remember whose screen name that is. Um, but yeah, thank you both for commenting. Uh, it was nice to, that you, that you guys got to listen. It was nice to hear your comments or read your comments and hopefully we'll get to hear, uh, read and comment on more. We'll be able to read them out. So, all right, that now for real, that's enough guys. Uh, that's the night. That's the evening. Uh, have a good night. Have a good night.